Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Rota, and I will be your host. And with me, I have Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father? Morning. Good. Real good. Having a good, uh, did, did you have a good weekend? Yeah, it was a good weekend. Uh, it was beautiful weather, wasn't it? Um, it was. Yeah, it was, uh, my family came up for, um, my, my parents came up to Duluth. They were caring for my ne- nephews on Saturday. So then they came to Mass on Sunday, and then we gathered, my family gathered at the rectory, and we had lunch on the uh, backyard and the, on the picnic tables back there. So it was nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's always good to see good to see the, the family, mm-hmm. especially in uh, times like this when it's difficult and mm-hmm. kind of hard to see people sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Good. Um, well... I guess first, should we start in a prayer? Oh yeah, let's do that. All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for this opportunity today to, to talk about sacraments. Thank you for the gift of the sacraments and how they form us and help us to encounter you and to, to be close to you. We pray, Lord, for um, for our parishioners. Pray in Thanksgiving for the confirmations that happened the last two weeks. Pray for all those who are preparing for First Communion coming up. And we pray, Lord, for, for any of our people who might be suffering or struggling or in difficulty right now, that you would help them in their need. We ask our Mother's intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. All right, thanks. Well, uh, what do we got going on this week? Yeah, so a couple things. Um as you know, Labor Day is coming up. Um, the week after Labor Day, we're actually having a special outdoor mass. Um, who I mentioned this last weekend, and we'll mention again this weekend, but um, September 13th is a Sunday, and the 11 o'clock mass here at St. Lawrence is actually going to be an outdoor mass. So opportunity to welcome back people who uh, maybe haven't been to mass in a while and are maybe a little bit tentative. It'll just be an opportunity to say, hey, come on, come to mass. You can spread out as much as you want. Um, yeah, so hopefully it'll be good weather. If it's bad weather, we'll move it to the following week, and hopefully then we'll have good weather, but we'll see. <laughs> that's the plan. So that's happening in a couple weeks. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, uh, faith formation registration is open. So our families who are um, have children who are in faith formation, they can register. Please do register so, so we know who is coming. Um, it's helpful for us as we plan uh, to know how many leaders we need and so forth. So might be some questions about that, but basically the idea this year is we're going to flop weeks. So the younger kids, who is a pre-K, do we have pre-K? I'm still learning this. Through fourth grade are going to be one week. And then the following week, it'd be the fifth through 11th graders that would come. Um, so each week we'll have one of those groups that'll help us spread out a little bit more and um, be able to clean and sanitize and so forth. So... Um, we're going to try that, see how that goes. Hopefully, um, things will settle down. But if, if they don't, we'll we might have to adjust. We'll see. So, so that's happening. Yeah, and uh, if anybody wants to go and do that, they can go to uh, our website, which is catholicduluth.org. And uh, I should, I, I think, if you just go like catholicduluth.org/slash, like register for faith formation, or or even just go onto um, 
catholicduluth.org and then on like one of the top menus will be faith formation and there's a button that just says register and you can just click that or if you click if you have questions about what's going on you can just go onto the youth ministry page and there's um karen put together like some frequently asked questions Mm -hmm. and just like schedules and kind of just just uh information that i'm sure she probably sent out but if we for some reason didn't get it or uh doesn't know where it is um, you can go onto uh, the website and all that information is there. Or else you can always give her a call. Right, right. And I'm just looking. I think we have a parent meeting. Yes. Oh, that's for a second. Sorry. We have some parent meetings coming up, and I believe Karen sent out an email about that. So that is in the works. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's you know, it's, it's kind of crazy because everything, you know, every who knows what's what's happening day by day in this yeah. uh just with uh, the kind of living in this COVID time. Um, but at the same time, you know, the show will go on the a little bit. On, and yeah. so it's kind of like, okay, well, how, how can we, how can we do this? Um, but also uh, do it in a way that's smart and safe and respectful. So, yeah. 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 So yeah, it's uh unusual time. So it, uh, our faith still needs to be lived out. And so we're going to try to do the best we can to do that. So, and then uh, of course school is, starting um seems like there's various ideas of what starting looks like in yeah. different school districts and college and different things but we're at least approaching that for everyone whether they're starting next week or the following week or what so yeah so that's those are some things um happening yeah, yeah. um well this week we are talking about uh sacraments and kind of how sacraments work. And this was sparked by um, a, a story that came out. Um, it's from the beginning of August, actually. And in the Archdiocese of Detroit, there is um, a priest who found out after three years of being ordained a priest that he not only wasn't a priest, but he wasn't even a baptized Christian. Yeah. And which is pretty crazy, yeah. Uh, which is pretty crazy, and um, and not that he was never baptized, but that he actually was baptized. The baptism that he received was invalid, right. and so um, yeah, kind of a crazy story. Um, and yeah, you can go up, you know, you can read about it, and there's um, some, uh, uh, but on on the diocese of, or archdiocese of Detroit's website, they have. Some inf- like a letter from the de- from the bishop, and then kind of just some more information about it, yeah. um, and so, you know, kind of <laughs> fell into a little vortex of just looking at all of that because it is uh, it's really interesting of kind of how the situation happened, mm-hmm. and so we're going to kind of talk about that today, talk about why is it important, um, or like why what can we learn from that, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, and why why sacraments are so important, and and what exactly what does it mean to do something um, in a valid way? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I guess to kind of start it off, maybe talk a little bit about how the baptism was invalid. Um, so here I'm going to pull up this. Um, yeah, this isn't the first time this has happened. It's happened at various points in time. I would say it's happened more more recently because there was a time right after the Vatican Council where people were trying different things, or maybe they just didn't have the best catechesis, um, whether it was priests or deacons, clergy. You know, a lot of people depend on what the clergy do 
and we trust that, okay, they, they know what they're doing. They're the clergy, right? But sometimes even uh, there's been, uh, whether it's the, the fault of the clergy or those who form them or just something slipped, you know, there, there's different reasons why it happens. But, yeah, there's, there's been these sort of cases that come up now and then. So, Yeah, so... So kind of specifically what happened is that when this um, when this priest was getting baptized, the um, the deacon that was baptizing him said, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit instead of I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right. And just switching out that one word from I to we, um, made his baptism invalid right. and he um he's a he's a fairly young priest like he had only been ordained for three years so he's you know he's probably around my age or yeah, or close to probably 30, maybe you know 30 ish yeah. um and so and so he had uh he actually i guess his baptism was recorded on a video and he just recently watched it yeah. and um and i guess earlier in like early august or late july the vatican kind of came out with something that kind of doubled down on the fact that like if if you were baptized by the wrong formula by the wrong form yeah then uh it's invalid and so he kind of found that out himself mm -hmm. that his baptism was invalid and so then he contacted like the bishop and kind of right. went from that right um yeah which is, which is crazy because then like that has there's a lot of kind of dominoes that fall right because of that and because of the office that he's in. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, you know, maybe we can get into that later. Um, but I think we just want to kind of take this time to talk about, um, like, what, what, what is a sacrament? What's important about that? And, and kind of, like, why is just one word carry that much importance? So, um, so yeah, Father, do you want to kind of give us a little overview of kind of sacraments and... Yeah, so sacraments, uh, in a general way, are just, it's how we encounter Christ. It's, so Christ makes himself present through the church and specifically through the sacraments. That's the way that we share the life of Christ here on earth. So these sacraments were instituted by Christ, meaning they were, he gave these things as a way for us to know that we have certainty that Christ is working in my life. Um, so sacraments, there's different elements of the sacrament. There's the sign, um, there's the, um, so th things that we do, um, there's the form, which is like the words that we say and everything. Um, so like, for instance, baptism, the pouring of the water is one aspect of it, that's the sign. The words that the priest or the minister says are the form, and so these, you need to have those, and then you also have to have the intention of the church, which is I'm, I'm intending to baptize this person on behalf of the church. So these are, it, it, you break it down that way, it's like, okay, all, that all makes sense, but um, it's important that we don't mess with the words or, you know, for instance, um, you, you couldn't baptize someone with Pepsi or something like that. Like, has to be water, has to be water, can't be, um, and then people will say, well, what if we have, like, sort of water, like, uh, all the flavored waters or something like that, well, that would still work because it's still water, right? But you couldn't use lemonade, even though it has water in it. Um, you know, it has to be, has to be water. Um, and he, 
the, what, in this case, it was the form that was wrong. The words were, were changed. We said, we. Well, we, who is we? You know, Jesus is the one that's acting. He's the one who's acting on, in every sacrament, through the priest, through the deacon, through the minister of the sacrament. So a, a layperson can validly baptize somebody. Maybe some people don't know that, but anybody can baptize. Even a non-Christian can baptize as long as they have the intention and they say the right words um, and they do the right thing. Um, now, would they do that? Maybe not. You know, why would you baptize someone if you're not baptized yourself or if you're not into Christianity? Like, that's a whole other discussion. But the reality is uh, you need to have the right minister and you ha have to have the right recipient. So to receive any other sacrament besides baptism, you have to be baptized. And that's why this was a problem because, okay, this priest thought he was baptized, but he wasn't. So now his confirmation is invalid. So now his... Uh, his ordination to priesthood is not valid. So all of these sacraments kind of depend upon the sacrament. Uh, now, should we all worry like, oh, did my what, what was the formula they used in my parish? Well, if it's known that the, the formula was wrong, yes, maybe you want to look into that. But otherwise, presume in in, in any sacrament, the ch church presumes validity. Meaning, we, we presume that it's that a sacrament happened unless proven otherwise. So this case, this guy had proof. He had a video, right? So he could. He could go back and say, oh, gosh, um, they used the wrong formula. So Christ is the one baptizing. We don't say we collectively. We don't. It's not me, Father Eli, that's baptizing. It's not Dan Rhoda. It's not Deacon so-and-so. It's Christ is baptizing. That's why you use the formula, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So um, that's very important. Um, yeah. Um, and... Uh, so, something that I thought um, that was from the, the this letter that I saw, which I think was an excerpt from maybe I guess I'm not I'm not sure if it was like from Vatican II or what, but it talks about how um, like the priest cannot or deacon for that matter can't add, remove, or change anything mm -hmm. in the liturgy on his own authority, yeah. and so. And I mean, a, a baptism is a form of liturgy, correct? So, mm -hmm. um, so it's it, it, that's something that I guess they're really trying to show um, the part of uh, the the form where you know you can't just change something mm -hmm. because you feel like it or yeah. something like that. Um, yeah. So that's that's very important for any sacrament. You know, each sacrament is a little bit different. Like, what's what is the matter? What is the form? What is the intention needed? So for just an example, confession, um, you know, the form is the person confessing their sins, right? So they need to say their sins, and then the priest has to say the absolution, prayer of absolution. Um, he can't just make up a prayer of absolution or uh, use any old formula, right? It's got to be the prayer of absolution. That's why um, the priest needs to memorize that, learn that, have that, so that he can absolve people from sins. Because again, it's not me, it's... It's kind of like Jesus has bound himself to work through these sacraments. And so he's bound himself to say, I will, I will always forgive, I will always baptize when you do it this way, when you follow the, what has been established by the church. So, um, I mean, that's a whole other discussion. Well, should it be in Latin then? Or should it be in Arabic? Cause, or should it be in, wh what language should it be in? You know, um, that's another discussion. We won't get into that. But we need to use the, the words that the church has established come from Christ giving this authority to the church to do these sacraments. So that's very important that we use the right words. That's why we don't 
make up our own Eucharistic prayers. That's why we don't, um, you know, uh, at, a, at a wedding, that's why we have vows. We don't just say nice things. But there's, like, there's these things that we need to do that need to be in the wedding. Um, as we were talking before, um, there's something called validity and laicity. Validity just means a sacrament happened. It was valid. And there's certain things that need to be there. So for baptism, you need to have water and you need to, you know, you need to pour the water over their head or over the body and say, I baptize you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and you need to have the intention of the church. So that's what it takes to be valid. Now, laicity is lawfulness. So the, there's a little book that the church gives us um, that's called the rite of baptism. So we're supposed to follow that. That when we follow that, we, we we do it lawfully. We do it according to the what the church has established. Now, if you someday had children, Dan, if you had children someday, and you went down to the river and you said, "I baptize you in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit," and I intend to baptize you, and you poured water from the river over your children's heads, would they be baptized? Yes, they would, because you did it validly. Now, did you do it lawfully? Did you do it according to what the church asked us to do? No, you did it outside. And river rather than in a church in the baptismal font following the so does that make sense that distinction mm -hmm. um so sometimes we can look at these things and it can seem a little bit like splitting hairs but the idea is um we want to make sure that we're following what the church established and what christ established for these sacraments otherwise we're just kind of making up stuff and it doesn't mean anything so we're not doing it according to father eli or somebody else but it's what does the church say what does Christ say? And let's, let's do that. So, um, what would, uh, like kind of using the example of, you know, someone just takes their kid down to the river and baptizes them. So like they're validly baptized, mm -hmm. but they're not licitly baptized. Right. Would that be so lawfully or licitly yeah. lawfully? Yeah. And so, so I guess what would like, would they have to be baptized again? Like lawfully or like what, what I guess is the like consequence of that? Yeah. yeah. So, they would they wouldn't have to be baptized again they if there was an uncertainty like did we use the right words actually i have a my former parish there was a case of this people were coming into the church but they realized that some of their kids were not baptized and they were like really worried about it so they baptized them in the bathtub so then i was like okay did you use the right words i had to like, sit down <laughs> with father and like give this statement of like these are the words we use and yes we use those words and we had the right intention so that can happen um the, the whole point of the lawfulness is so we don't have to, so we have like the sacramental books at the church, we keep these, so that if something comes up, like when you get married, for instance, you always need a record of your baptism sent, so you, we can go back. Now, if you've been baptized in the tub or in the river, where is your baptismal record? It's not there. You don't have it. Uh, you might have a piece of paper, you might have a picture, but basically what happens in that situation is then you got to get sworn statements from witnesses who were there. So it becomes kind of a complicated thing. So that's why sure. the, the lawfulness of it, the idea of the church is to say, what's going to help us do the mission of the church? We set up a right. We set up kind of rules of, that should be followed so that everything's in order. And we make sure it happens validly every time. And so um, that's the whole point of laicity, lawfulness, versus validity. Valid means, yes, it happened. There's a sacrament. Laicity is... Did we do it according to what the church asked us to do so that everything is uh, on, on above board, I guess? So one of the things could be, well, let's go out and baptize anybody. Let's go baptize people, and we'll just do it. 
great, but are these people getting catechized? Are they being prepared? Are they being baptized into homes where they're going to be raised in the faith? These are all questions that the Church would have an interest in pursuing and understanding, and that's why we have prep, prep for baptism and all these things. So you can see it kind of opens up a can of worms if you just say, yeah, do it, whatever you want, and yeah. there's no rules, you know? As long as you follow, as long as it's valid, great. But the Church doesn't say that. She says, let's, let's strive for validity and laicity both valid and lawful, so that there's order in the church that we can um, make sure everybody's going to receive not only uh, a valid sacrament, but a fruitful sacrament, which is another element of this we haven't really touched on. But So fruitfulness is another aspect. You can be receiving a valid sacrament. For instance, I can go to communion every week. I can come to Mass, go to communion every week. But if I'm not in a state of grace, um, if I'm not following what the church teaches, if I'm not living the life of the church, receiving communion is not really going to help me. It's not going to, that grace is kind of, uh, the image I often will use is, it's as if you, if you had a cup that was open to receive grace, and it was like a faucet pouring into you, you're like ready to receive it when the cup is uncovered. But say you put like a cover over it, like a plastic cover or something like that, like the grace is dumping upon you, right? But it's not getting into the cup, it's not getting into me. So, if I'm in the state of sin, knowingly, and I'm, uh, or I'm knowingly not living the life of the church, I can receive these sacraments. I can get uh, confirmed. I can receive first communion. I can even receive ordination or or marriage. Um, if I'm in a not in a state of grace, those sacraments are coming upon me. The grace is there. It's available, but I'm not able to make use of it because I'm not in a state to receive those things. Now, what happens if? Now that brings up the question, of what happens if I was confirmed or even was married or ordained, God forbid, in a state of mortal sin or a state of not living in union with the church? Well, those graces can be revivified in a sense. So when you, when you go to confession, your soul is uh, pure again, it's, it's cleaned up, you're ready to receive. It's kind of like removing that cover, so now you can receive those graces. They're waiting, they're ready, but they just aren't active until you're ready in, in a state to receive them. That's why we call it a state of grace, because we're ready to receive grace. Does that make sense, that yeah. distinction? Yeah. So that, that fruitfulness is very important, and sometimes you can go either way. Sometimes people say the church focuses too much on validity and laicity, making it, is it lawful, is it valid? These are important questions, but also another really huge question is, is it fruitful? Have I received this fruitfulness in the sacrament? Am I am I in a state where I'm ready and open and to receive? So. Um, what would be maybe a, a quick little analogy is I could be drafted onto the twins or something like that, even at a very young age, maybe I'm eight years old. Can I stand on the field? Can I go to bat? Can I hold a glove? Yeah. Am I in a, in a state to really make use of the, like, am I useful to the team? Am I contributing in a meaningful way? Probably not. Right. So <laughs> unless you're a really talented eight year old, really yeah. talented eight year old. Yeah. So, um, even me now, like I'm, I'm, I haven't played baseball in a long time. I wouldn't be much use. So, you know, that's yeah. the analogy breaks down at a certain point. But it's this idea of like, am I ready to to act upon these graces, or am I? Is it just gushing over me, and it's I'm not I'm not receiving any of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like kind of bringing in that I like that part of fruitfulness because because yeah, like even thinking um, like from my experience going through like confirmation mm-hmm. and seeing like, it's like, yeah, all these people 
who went through the classes and got confirmed, mm-hmm. but then didn't really let it impact them. Right. You know, and we probably see that sadly a lot today in our yeah. church um, yeah. w- w- with all the sacraments. Yeah. It's just like doing it because, oh, we have to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that, w- that the church has us to do and we have to do it. So we do it. Mm-hmm. But not letting us like truly letting it impact us. Right, right. And so people will say, how come my life isn't different after I've received these sacraments? They'll say, why isn't it making a difference for me? I've, I go to Mass every Sunday. Okay. Well, are, are you trying to cooperate with those graces? You you know, there's a, being in a state of sin is one thing, but then also, am I am I praying? Am I trying to ask God for help? So there's a, the whole discussion on fruitfulness could, you know, you could go into that much more in depth. Yeah. Um, and the church... Often, when she celebrates sacraments, when it comes to the liturgy her, itself, or it comes to the preparation, is mostly focused on validity. Um, but that's kind of a low bar in a sense. And I think we should also talk about fruitfulness. And um, but that's a much harder thing to measure in a sense. I mean, you can kind of see it when you see somebody's alive in their faith. It's like that person has faith and they're living it out, um, and you can see that. But it's a hard thing to measure, right? So when we do sacramental prep. A lot of times what we're working on with parents and children is, you know, first reconciliation. Do you know your act of contrition? Do you know what, you know, the bless me, Father, for I've sinned. It's been, this is my first confession, or it's been this long since my, do we know all these little formulae that we say? All of that stuff is important, but you could have a person who doesn't know any of those things come in. If they are disposed and re- to receive the sacrament, they've been baptized, for instance, uh, they don't really know a lot about it other than, I know when I come here, I can get forgiven. And the priest could coach them through, and that would be more fruitful than the person who comes in and just says, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been da-da-da-da. Forgive my sin, da-da-da. But they aren't really disposed, not really interacting with God in a, in a personal way, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, that's um, That kind of brings me to this uh, this um, part of uh, the letter from the... Archbishop of Detroit that I want to point out because he, so he's kind of talking about how like everything that was going on and and how other people are impacted by this one um, invalid baptism Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, that priest did baptisms and that priest did weddings Mm -hmm. and maybe did confirmations and all these things. And so, or yeah, and confessions um, and how pretty much everything except the baptisms were in invalid, yeah. which is kind of ironic that even though he's wasn't baptized that or he was baptized invalidly, he baptized validly, yeah, right. which is kind of funny. But um, um, but he was talking about how um, like we can <clears throat> we recognize that God has bound Himself to the sacraments, but He is not bound by the sacraments, right. um, which I thought was a really uh, a really good way to um to talk about that because. Because, yeah, I think, um, you know, like God gave us the sacraments for these kind of specific reasons, but also like just us as humans, we like tangible things. Mm-hmm. I think sacraments to a certain extent is that for us, yeah. um, just on like a very human level. And um, but sometimes we get too focused on that. Mm-hmm. And so it is it is good for, for us to realize like, yeah, God, like he can do whatever he wants. He just happened to have been like, hey, this is how specifically i'm going to give you my grace mm-hmm. um but in these circumstances where i mean it's not the priest's fault that he was right. you know baptized invalidly right. right and so 
Um, so the, this kind of part goes on to say that this means that while we can have certainty that God always works through the sacraments when they're properly conferred by the minister, God is not bound by the sacraments in that he can and does extend his grace in a sovereign way. So we can be ensured that all those who approached this priest in good faith uh, to receive sacraments did not walk away empty-handed. Right. Yeah. It, and they kind of allude to an, an, a further conversation, and it, you know, uh, I, re- I remember very well my one of, one of my classes on sacraments. We kind of like teased out like, okay, all these kind of crazy situations, what happens, blah blah blah. But um, at the end of the day, God wants to work, right? And as you said. He has bound himself to work through the sacraments, but he can work outside of them. There's no question of that. I mean, what do we what do we believe as Catholics about those who are unbaptized by no fault of their own? What do we believe about uh, people who, I mean, we could talk about the baptism of desire or baptism of the martyrs. You know, they weren't baptized, but they des- they were preparing for baptism or they desired to be baptized, um, but because of circumstances, they were not allowed to do that. Um, so God works. It's not like he said, oh, you were so close. You, you tried, but you, sorry, you didn't make it. You didn't get baptized. You didn't, I mean, it's not going to be like that. So these people who came to uh, this priest for sacraments, and he didn't know that he wasn't a priest, and they, they didn't know that he wasn't, so there was no fault on, on their part, right? It was they were intending to come and receive the sacrament. So even though they didn't receive the sacrament itself, God... Can, and in those cases, I, I'm sure to say that he does offer them graces. So that's where these uh, so the stuff that you were alluding to that comes from St. Thomas Aquinas, the whole idea that, you know, that he kind of clarified that or, or spoke about that because that was a, a, something that the church was wrestling with or talking about at the time, especially in regard to um, the Eucharist. Um, so there's three little Latin sayings or phrases that kind of help us to understand what happens in a sacrament. So there's uh, sacramentum tantum. So these these are kind of funny little sayings, which means the rite itself or the the mystery of the sacrament itself. So this would be like, what do we? What's the exterior thing? What do we see? We see the sign. So you go to an ordination. It's when the the bishop puts his hands on the priest or the deacon or whoever. Uh, or you go to a baptism, so when they're pouring the water over the head, it's the sign. We see this thing. So the, the, the sacramentum tantum, that's the sign. Then there's what's called the res tantum, which is the uh, sort of the effect of the sacrament, so the grace that comes to it. We don't see that, right? We can't, we don't get our, our telescope or our microscope or our magnifying glass and say, ah, I see, the, there's the grace there. It's flowing into them. I can see it. It's, it's invisible, right? We don't see that, but that's that's what happens in the person. Um, so the res tantum is the effect, basically, or the grace of, of the sacrament. And then there's something called the res et ta- uh, sacramentum, which just means the sign and the sacrament. So that's when you have both. Um, so, uh, th- you know, one part of it is invisible, one part of it is visible. So you could use these terms to kind of talk about this case. Um, so Father, I forget his name, uh, was when he was baptized, or when he was not validly baptized, but when they were going through that, they had the right, right? They did all the, they, presumably, like, they had the, the baptismal candle there, they were in the church, they had, had a font, they had the right minister, um, everything was right, except they didn't use the right formula, so they would have had the sign only, the res tantum, 
or, or rather the, the sacramento tanta, the, the, the mystery on it. Um, then uh, when he was when he was say hearing confessions in the confessional before he was you know actually a priest, he thought he was a priest, the penitents thought he was a priest. So there you have probably you don't have the, uh, the reality of the sacrament, but you do have uh, the effects of the sacrament, probably. So this person comes in good conscience or good faith coming to confess their sins to who they think is a priest. They're saying their sins. Um, he says the words of absolution. Is there a sacrament? No, because he's not a valid priest, right? He's not validly mm -hmm. ordained. So it looks all legit, um, but through no fault of their own, they're doing this, um, and God can still work in this. And so we would say he, that person, that penitent, receives the res tantum. They receive the grace of the sacrament. So they were uh, not walking away ha empty-handed was the, the phrase that they had in that letter. So he receives, or he or she receives forgiveness for their sins because God is going to work through that situation uh, because there's circumstances that are beyond their control which would have prevented the actual sacrament from happening. So it's a little bit high-level language, but it just helps us to understand, okay, there's the, the sign, there's the effect, and then there's like both together how, how it all comes together. So Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is a great example, um, so <laughs> maybe you'll let me know. But is, is this similar to like the spiritual communion prayer? Mm -hmm. Because um, so, you know, many of you know that there's, uh, well, one, during the pandemic, there's not, um, people aren't obliged to come to mass mm -hmm. and, uh, and people aren't coming to mass because, uh, just, you know, for health reasons or whatever. Um, but what the church does have is, uh, the spiritual, spiritual communion prayer that was created by, was it like St. Ignatius or, or I mean, maybe he popularized the yeah, written one or there's been lots of versions there are, there are a number of different versions, but yeah, over, over the centuries, um, it's, it's been a practice that's kind of coming out as needed, you know. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting thing because there again, it's kind of goes down to that fruitfulness versus um, lessity. You can say that prayer. The whole idea of that prayer normally in a normal context is for someone who can't get to mass, uh, someone who uh, maybe is in prison, or someone who's on a desert island, or someone who um, is homebound. Or someone who can be at Mass, but for some reason can't receive. I'm not in a state to receive. I'm in a state of mortal sin. Or I ate something. I forgot to do the hour fast. Or, um, I mean, it could be any number of things why I'm not going to receive. I've already been to Mass today. Or, you know, it could be any sure. number of things. Um, but for whatever reason, I'm not going to go up to receive. But I can still unite myself to Christ in this moment and receive grace from being here at Mass from this desire, this inner desire that I have to be connected to Christ. And that's the whole point of the prayer is to draw us into that context of like saying, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm uniting myself to you. I'm desiring to be united to you. I'm saying that. I'm willing that. Can God give you grace through that? Yes, and he does. Um, if you come with a desire to have fruitful, un being united fruitfully to the Lord, he works through that. Could somebody indeed actually receive more grace from that than just routinely going up to receive communion not thinking about it, maybe not even being in the state of grace, but they go up to receive. Um, yeah, so uh, that prayer 
helpful and good and it can give us grace, especially if we unite ourselves to Christ. We just routinely say the prayer. It's not going to have a great effect, right? But that's the reality. Sometimes we're just not that focused. You know, when we receive the, the sacrament and we're in a state of grace, there's going to be some grace that comes to us. But the more fruitfully we receive it, it kind of means the, the more open we are to receive those graces. Um, now, if, yeah, we could talk more about that. But, I mean, it's it's a very interesting, it's a good yeah. example. Yeah, cool. Yeah, because, I mean, that's something that, um, that, yeah, I guess in a similar way, if somebody, for some reason, couldn't get to confession and they're, you know, if they're dying mm-hmm. and they couldn't get to confession, right. you could do kind of like a spiritual confession in that mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So um, your act of contrition, mm-hmm. trust yourself to, to God, um, say, uh, I, I want to go to confession. I, I know I've done wrong. Here are the things, Lord, that I give to you. You know, that's, uh, c- God can work through that and, and would yeah. work through that in that situation. Um, it's always better to have the real thing if you can. Yep. So just like it's always better to come to Mass and receive communion if you can. Otherwise, we could just always do spiritual communion. Like, oh, I'm not going to go to Mass today because oh, I just did my spiritual communion prayer. It'd be like talking on the phone with your spouse versus like, and, and like never living with them and never like touching them or anything versus like, okay, we're going to ha- go on this we- weekend vacation together and hang out and, you know, be together. That's a much like more intimate setting than just talking on the phone or even zooming or whatever. Like these are good substitutes. They can help. There can be a certain level of intimacy there, but it's not as good as being in the, in the presence. And that's the same idea with uh, going to mass uh, going to confession, like, and the other thing is, Jesus specifically has tied himself to work through the sacraments. Yeah, there's a certainty. There's a, there's a, um, a certain knowledge of like, yes, God is going to work, and sometimes that especially helps people who are, maybe kind of questioning and like, did I say the right words? Did I do it right? Did I have the, a good intention? Um, that's a whole other aspect of the sacramental theology of how it works, but. So if, when we come to the sacraments, even if it, we've done it imperfectly in the sense of like my disposition or my openness, if if I at least have the intention of coming there and doing my best, God is gonna, you know, He's gonna offer us the sacrament. So yeah. Whereas like maybe doing a spiritual spiritual communion or something like that is more of like the exception to the rule. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. It's like a, it's a good uh, filler or fill in when you don't have the. The yeah. option, the actual option. Yeah. So, like, it's plan B. Plan B, yeah. yeah. Um, great. Well, uh, do you have any closing thoughts? Oh, there's so many things we could talk about on the subject. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Um, yeah. It's like, a, it's, it's like a rabbit hole. It's like, there's probably uh, and yeah, there's, a there's bunch probably, more. Probably more. I probably talk about more stuff than people really wanted to hear, or <laughs> maybe use some the Latin phrases, for instance. Maybe that's over the top, but. It's just a, it's a very interesting thing because we want to know how the sacraments work, and sometimes we don't even think about that, like what happens. But I think the uh, just the all these little terms that we threw out there today, I think it's helpful for us to think about them and understand. Like, okay, this is why the church does what she does. This is why she prepares people to, to receive as she does. This is why I mean, there's a reason why the church does all these things and why she has certain rules and da da da. Like, and and sometimes we don't see that. We get lost in all of it, and I can understand that because there's a lot of stuff to pay attention to. But um, I think it's a good discussion, and maybe it'll bring forth some questions. Maybe people will have questions that we can address 
as we yeah. go forward. So. Yeah, and I, I think this is, uh, I mean, as sad as it is that this uh, priest had to kind of go through all this, but it's a, it's a reminder for us, too, of how important it is because, yeah, you know, because someone could look at him and just be like, oh, yeah, but it's just like a little word. Yeah. Um, but then seeing that effect, not only did it have on that priest, but then on everyone that that priest ministered to right. over the last three years. Right. It had an right. effect on. So um, to kind of see that and be like, okay, yeah, like I can, you know, the, the church is, has thought about this and, you know, probably argued about this yes. to, to, to come to where, they, where, where we are today. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been 2,000 years of development for a lot of this stuff. So, right. um, which, which does, you know, can make it confusing because there's a lot of depth, but, um, but that there's reason behind it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. great. Well, thank you so much, Father. Yeah, thanks. And uh, thank you for everyone listening, and we will catch you again next week.